0: Matthew chapter 24 and let's just lift one verse verse 14 and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations and then shall the end come let's read it again and this gospel of the kingdom Shall be preached in all the world for a witness to unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Turn with me to 1st Peter. 1st Peter chapter 2. Just a couple of verses there also. Verse 9 and verse 10. 1st Peter 2 verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A peculiar people. That ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God. Which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Keep your Bible open, we will refer to these portions of scripture in a moment. Let's pray. Father. Will you shut us in with yourself now take your own word and wing it to every heart and glorify the Lord Jesus in this place this evening. We worship you and we love you. We thank you for the sense of your presence. We ask you now, Lord, to glorify him in our midst. For his name's sake we ask it and for his glory. Amen. The Lord Jesus in Matthew 24, verse 14, says that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached and will be preached to all nations. The gospel of the kingdom is everything to do with the kingdom. In other words, the gospel of saving grace, this gospel of redemption, the gospel of justification and righteousness of Christ. And the gospel in that also is the gospel of healing in Jesus' name. The gospel in that is also goes further again. The gospel of how God deals with the nations, and how God has dealt with ancient and modern Israel, and of course the Israelis also in uh, Palestine today. All of these things are part of the gospel of the kingdom. So the gospel of the kingdom is a very broad brush. And it's more than just a salvation. And I'm not saying that lightly when I say just. But more than only a salvation message with a salvation issue. But it's the great plan, the great purpose of God. Gospel of the kingdom brings in the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel of the kingdom shows God's word to be true. And the Bible prophecy has been fulfilled and is being fulfilled right up to this moment and will be till the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then into the aeons of eternity after that. I was in the, the, I think I pronounced it right, the Alwee Caves just off the west coast of Ireland a year or two ago. And I don't know if you've ever been there and my father-in-law says, why don't you call there and give it a try when you're there? And myself and Alison and the girls went into the cave. And they've got it all fancy outside for a tourist attraction. And next stop to the west is the United States. So you're right on the coastline. And you walk into this cave and there's a coffee area inside the mountain or the, the, the large hill. And the cave keeps going on and on and they take you on a track. As they take you down this track, they show you where water has come and they give you all of the history of it and how it was found. And there's a, an area where there was a, a bear. And there obviously we know there are no bears in Ireland now, but there was a bear that was found there. So at one time there must have been bears here. And this man had found the bones of a bear and they'd done all the archaeology and all this sort of stuff. But they bring you into the cave and you're so far under the cave, you're right in the center of the mountain right in the heart of it and they tell you not to move and there's a cord you can hold on to if you want and they turn off the lights I don't know if you've ever experienced a pure, if I can call it pure darkness where there is no light in it at all I had never experienced that, I've experienced the darkness in the countryside at night and coming from Belfast with the street lights I thought that was dark, could hardly see when you put one foot in front of you and I remember saying to Alison, I don't think i will ever get used to living in the country because of the darkness, but there was still that filter of light coming through from the stars and from the moon. But I don't know if you've ever experienced the real thick, heavy darkness where there's no light at all. And they had warned us of this, that this was what we were about to experience. They turn off the lights and Alison, myself and Jody and Ellie are standing with all these other people and suddenly it goes such a pitch blackness and darkness. Literally, you could poke yourself in the eye and you wouldn't see your finger coming. That's the truth. Never experienced a like of it. It was a darkness which could be felt. And something really stuck in my mind, really deep into me, and I heard him saying it, and I mentioned it to Allison afterwards. He says, this darkness that we're about to show you, if you're left in this darkness... For, um, I can't remember the length of time, a couple of hours. You lose all, all uh, direction and sense of direction. You, lose, you become disorientated. And it's impossible to know which way is left, which way is right. It's even only you feel the ground on your feet when you get on your hands and knees. You wouldn't even know which way is up, which way is down, which way is forward, or which way is back. And it's hard to express it and it's hard to explain it to you. But this was the darkness that we found ourselves in for a few moments. And really you would think you were standing in nothing but darkness and blackness of space. The lights come on and everyone breathes a sigh of relief. It's something that you can feel. And Peter writes here in First Peter chapter 2, this is what caught me to bring this message and we will refer to it in a, uh, maybe next week more. He says in verse 9 that you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him that called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And the word darkness here literally means a darkness where there is no light. Remember saying to Allison about this darkness and I said, you know, there's a message in that. And the Lord has brought you and I in spiritual darkness, and he's called us out of it, and he's called us into his marvelous light in Christ. And the, the title of this message is God's Great and Glorious Gospel. And we tell stories about it, we hear it read, and it's it seems like a fairy tale to many that A man would die on a cross who is God manifest in flesh, the Son of God and the Son of Man. And that seems, well, there you are, he's done it. There's the story of it. But way from before the foundation of the world, God had, if I can call it the plan in his mind, to call you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. God already had it planned that before there was a sinner on the earth, that is, in Adam. There was a saviour in heaven, that is, in Jesus. That God already had a saviour, that a son would be born of a virgin, and that God himself would come and infill and fuse into that little baby. As Spurgeon says, God contracted to a span, and he came in human form. And he bore our sin in a tree. But there's a bigger picture. And without going into eternity and Adam's fall and we all know all about it, I want to bring you somewhere that really shows God's great and glorious gospel, a wonderful plan on planet earth to save your soul and to save mine. To redeem us back to him. To reconcile us back to God. We all know the story. We actually were on it for quite a, a bit of this morning's message on, on Abraham. And Abraham then had Isaac, and Isaac had Jacob, and Jacob had 12 sons, and one of his sons was called Judah. And Judah's where we get the nickname, if we can call it that, the derivative name of Jew from, from Judah. And Abraham, the patriarch, we hear of Abraham the Jew. Abraham was never a Jew. There were no Jews in Abraham's day. Judah is where we get the name Jew. Abraham was not Hebrew. Isaac was not a Jew. Isaac was not Hebrew. There were no Jews. Jacob, Abraham's grandson, was not a Jew. He was the one whose name was changed. He was a Hebrew whose name was changed to Israel. We get the name Israelite from. And then the 12 sons and one was called Judah, where we get that name from, from that one tribe we know the story of this but many of us, and you know it for I would teach it to you regularly that the twelve sons had twelve tribes. And in that twelve tribes there was blessing upon every tribe at the dying of the patriarch Jacob Israel. And the blessings came upon his children and we, 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 we're not, we'll not go into all that, it would take too many weeks to do that. But we know that And they they, they're in Egypt, and they come out of Egypt, and they go in through the the Sinai Desert and Mount Sinai, they're given the law, and they come into Palestine, and we know where they are or where Palestine is today, the land of Israel known as or the holy land as some people call it. And when they're in that land in Bible history, we read in First Kings chapter eleven now there are kings that has come up through Israel. And God is starting to put his plan together. And it shows us, if you can grasp this, it shows how God thought of you. shows how God wanted to spread this gospel to all those nations we read in Matthew 24 and 14. And the vehicle he would use Israel to be a light to the Gentiles or a light to the nations. Failed miserably. And we're told that God, because of their sin, he would separate them into two kingdoms. If you'll turn with me, please, to first Kings chapter eleven. Just a few verses. We don't want to this is just an opening remarks for uh, this week and next week in the Lord's will. First Kings chapter eleven. Solomon is on the throne. He sees a young man full of promise called Jeroboam. And he starts to elevate Jeroboam through the ranks. And Jeroboam is out one day, and he meets a prophet called Ahijah. First Kings chapter 11. And let your eye run down, please, to verse 20. And it came to pass at that time, when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem, that the prophet Ahijah, the Shilonite, found him in the way, and he had clad himself with a new garment. And they two were alone in the field. And Ahijah caught the new garment that was on him and rent it in twelve pieces. And he said unto Jeroboam, Take these ten pieces. For thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and will give ten tribes to thee. But he shall have one tribe for my servant David's sake. And for Jerusalem's sake, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, because that they have forsaken me, and have worshipped Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, Chemosh, the god of the Moabites, and Milcom, the god of the children of Ammon, and have not walked in my ways to do that which is right in mine eyes, and to keep my statutes and my judgments, as did David his father. How be it? I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, but I will make him prince, I will make him prince all the days of his life for David my servant's sake, whom I choose, because he kept my commandments and my statutes. But I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand and will give it unto thee, even ten tribes. And unto his son, that is Solomon's son, will I give one tribe that David, my servant, may have a light all way before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen me to put my name there. This prophet Ahijah meets Jeroboam, takes Jeroboam's new garment, rips it into 12 pieces, gives Jeroboam 10 pieces of ripped material, and says, each piece of those 10 represents 10 tribes, which I will give unto thee. He says, and I will give Solomon's son, because of David, the sure mercies of David, he says, I'll not do it to his son, but Rehoboam comes, who is Solomon's son, he says, I'll give him one tribe with his own, and they will be a light before his tribe. When you go into First Kings chapter 12, we read of Rehoboam, Solomon's son, coming on the throne. And uh, the older men are saying to, to Rehoboam to take it easy on the people. They're taxing them too heavy. And, and the younger men are saying, whip them like scorpions. Tell them that higher taxes. Sounds a bit like ourselves today also, doesn't it? Higher taxes, pay more money out. And there's a revolt. And the people turn to Jeroboam. Jeroboam has ran from Solomon into Egypt. And now he comes out because Solomon has died. And Rehoboam, Solomon's son, is there. All the people turn to Jeroboam and we're told that the kingdom of 12 tribes splits as the prophet has said. As Ahijah had given 10 pieces to Jeroboam, so 10 tribes went to the north and two tribes, Rehoboam's tribe of Judah, the kingly tribe, and Benjamin, the little tribe of Benjamin, to the south. And that became known as the kingdom of Judah, Benjamin, Benjamin and Judah, and some of Levi, the Levitical priesthood. And in the north, there were ten tribes. The northern kingdom had a city called Samaria, and a line of kings after Jeroboam came out. But the kingship was to come from Jerusalem, from where Solomon, Rehoboam, and so on, would come out of. So there's two lines of kings. There's now a nation split into two. And as the Lord says that he would give one tribe to Judah... To be a light before him, to be a light for David's tribes, or David's tribe, I should say. So in other words, here is Benjamin in the south with Judah and ten tribes to the north. Whenever we read about this, we read then that because of their sin, that the Assyrian army comes and takes away the ten tribes of Israel. Roughly around 721 BC, they take them to Assyria. To Halath and Hebor, uh, the cities of the Medes and the Persians by the rivers of Gozan. And then they seem to be lost. But when we do some archaeological work and translation of language, we find that the house of Omri or Omri becomes a house of Kumre. The Chamarians and the Gumerians come forth from that. And name changes take place. And we find that they have migrated. And they have migrated west into where we have Europe today. Of course it wasn't Europe as we know it then. To Scandinavia. And right into Great Britain. Where we are this evening. This scattering of his people was for a plan and for a purpose. Later we read about the two tribes being carried away. And they're carried away to Babylon. They're carried away by Nebuchadnezzar. And in Babylon, we read about Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego in the fiery furnace and Daniel in the lion's den. Ezekiel starts to write from there. And Ezekiel's there in the latter sort of years of it. He's writing his prophecies onto Israel from there. And as all this is going on, the Lord opens the door 70 years later for those two tribes to come back and only a portion come back Because many of them had intermingled in Babylonian worship and Babylonian wives. And they they had fallen away from God. But a a heart like Nehemiah and Ezra came back and built the temple. And of course from that would come the Lord Jesus Christ. So in that day, Christ then comes. And Israel is scattered. But in Christ there's only a remnant of Judah... And there's a a mixture, an admixture of proselyte Jews, if I can call it that. And they're all around the Judean area, and Christ is preaching. Now, here's the thing to remember this. That little tribe of Benjamin that was given as a light before Judah for always, they stayed with Judah throughout all their wars. They backed Judah up and everything. And when they were carried away captive, when you read of them coming back again. You don't read of any other tribe coming back. But Judah is mentioned. Benjamin is mentioned. And of course, they are part of Israel. mentions the name Israel. And Benjamin stayed with them. But when they came back from Babylon's captivity, Benjamin went up to where the house of Israel used to be, around a region which became known as the Sea of Galilee. As the Sea of Galilee. So Benjamin highly populated that area. And they populated the town of Bethany where Martha and Mary and Lazarus came from. There was a big poor house in it. But they were all highly populated around Galilee. And that's why the Lord Jesus when he came and he walked and the Jews sought to kill him. It says he would not walk in Jewry for they sought to take his life. He walked in Galilee because the Benjaminites, they were more welcoming to him. And he had come on to his own, and his own had received him not. That. And that's why he went around with Peter and James and John and Andrew and so on, and he, he calls them and he says, follow me. And they drop their fishing nets, and off they go to follow Christ. It is believed that all of them, bar Matthew, who's maybe a Levite, and Judas himself, who betrayed the Lord, and it says all of the apostles, or all the early disciples, were all from the tribe of Benjamin. Do you know that tells me? The apostle Paul even says later, the apostle of the ascended Lord, when he is made an apostle by Christ, Paul gives his lineage, and he says that he is of the tribe of Benjamin. You know why? Because they were known as the light-bearing tribe. They were known as the tribe who would bear the light before Judah. And it was all these preachers, all those who God had called... And filled with the Holy Spirit. He had a great plan to send them westward after Israel that were scattered. In fact, Paul says in the book of Acts he was going to go to the east. But the Holy Spirit hindered him and sent him west. I mean, when we read in the Bible days, we read of the seven churches of around Turkey, and then the Greece and Rome, and in fact, Paul even writes from prison saying he wanted to go to Spain, for in Spain, there was, a, there was some, some Judahites there who had, had been early uh, leavers of Palestine under the Zara, uh, who was the, the brother of Pharez. That's another story for you. If you were to go and read in the book of Genesis, and it's about uh, Genesis chapter 38, 39. Old Judah himself, the patriarch, he sleeps with Tamar, and it's his daughter-in-law. And she tricked him, and he was the one who sinned. And they had two sons, Pharez and, uh, and Zara. And Zara's hand comes out first, and the midwife ties a cord around the hand, but the hand retracts. And we're told Pharaoh is born first. And the fully born baby is given, the, given the, the, the blessing of the father, and Zara had no blessing. And we're told that Pharaoh uh, takes up that line, it's in the lineage of the Lord as well. His name is there. And Zara's nowhere to be mentioned. But if you go to Zaragoza in Spain, it's round about Tor to uh, the Rock of Gibraltar along there, I've been there. And you go there, that's Zaragoza from the name of Zara. Zara is the red hand, the red uplifted hand it means. That's where you get the red hand from. And here we have Zaragoza in Spain. And Paul says, I want to come to Spain to preach the gospel. The early apostles came to Britain. Rome didn't bring the gospel to Britain. The early apostles came to Britain. Said that Joseph of Arimathea, the, the traditions say that he came and he had tin mines around Cornwall. Go to Glastonbury and even on their leaflets they give you, it says about him bringing the Lord Jesus there. All of these traditions are there. And we're told that the early apostles came and they, they preached the gospel in Britain with power and people were saved. This great plan that God had was to go west after his dispersed, and that all the nations of the earth would be blessed because of it. All the nations of the earth would hear the word of God. And it was our nation, this great British nation, that sent forth the missionaries and printed the Bibles. It's this great British nation that sent forth the kingdom fruit for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord says that this was all part of his plan. All because he calls a man called Abraham, and he says, Abraham, trust me, and I'll bring it to pass. That's an introduction to where we are tonight. hope you're with me. Here we have 721 BC. Israel are taken away captive by the Assyrians and scattered around 600, roughly 640. There's different deportments. Uh, Judah uh, and and Jerusalem were taken away also. Right to King Zedekiah, the last king that was there. So whenever we come to the New Testament and Christ is preaching the gospel of the kingdom. This is what he's telling us. He says there's going to be a gospel that will go forth. And he says they will go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel first. Then it would go further afield and reach the whosoever will that would receive it and hear it and accept it. This glorious gospel is then spoken of by Peter in our reading. 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 9 and 10 as we had read. Turn with me, please, if you will. I want to just bring a little bit out of this. And this is just a, a more of an introduction for next week. You see, they were cast out into darkness. I want to bring parables along and show you the meaning. I'm not going to end in depth on them, for we take weeks. But tell you the, the outskirts of kingdom parables and how it talks about these two houses. If you listen and read through scriptures, Judah, the southern kingdom, and the house of Israel, the northern kingdom, they become known as two sisters, two sons, two sticks, two kingdoms, two, two, two the whole way through the scriptures. And the only time they become reunited again is in Christ, is in Christ. Now, of Israel, they become heathenized and gentilized. They, uh, to their lineage, they're still of Israel, but to their mindset and religion, they're heathenistic. In fact, probably worse than the, the religions around them. And as they move and change name, they become, as it were, lost. Lost to man, but never lost to God. Lost to man, but never lost to God. Listen to what the, what the Word of God says. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. When Peter's writing this, in First Peter, Peter chapter 1, and verse 1, he starts off by saying, to the strangers scattered, and he lists some areas where they were scattered. To the strangers scattered. James, he writes in his epistle, chapter 1 and verse 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Notice that. That's who he initially writes his letter to. In John's Gospel, chapter 11, after the resurrection of Lazarus, when Christ shouts, Lazarus, come forth, and the dead rises and comes out of the tomb, we're told in verses 51 and 52, we're told that Caiaphas, who hated Christ... Caiaphas, the high priest whom Christ came before and would not speak to. Christ who, or Caiaphas who, who, who brought Christ before him the night of his trial. And listen to what Caiaphas says. It says, and being the high priest that year, this is John eleven fifty one. 51, and being the high priest that year, he, Caiaphas, prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation. Verse 52, and not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. So here the gospel was to go seeking lost sheep. The gospel was to go forward. And everyone would hear of this glorious gospel, this great and glorious good news that those who are sitting in darkness will see great light. That darkness that I spoke of in the week Cave That darkness which could be felt, not only was it a spiritual darkness, but they were lost in their darkness, lost in their ways, and God would call them with the glorious gospel of saving grace that Christ has shed his blood and died. And you and I are the recipients of that very gospel this evening. The Lord knows what he's doing, brothers and sisters. The Lord is still in charge and he's still in control. The word here in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1 and in James chapter 1 and verse 1 is for scattered. The word for scattered is the word diaspora. And it means the Israelites dispersed among the nations. That's simply what it means. The Israelites dispersed among the nations. In John 11 and verse 52, when Caiaphas says that he should gather in one the children of God that were scattered abroad, it's the word that is very akin and similar. It's a big word, diascorpizo, And it means those who were scattered, who were winnowed. You no, know, you'd get a, a, a bit of wood and a knife and winnow it out. They were winnowed out through different deportations. It gives the idea also, listen, to throw a handful of grain a considerable distance. I want to say it again, it means to throw a handful of grain a considerable distance to throw it into the air and to the wind. Like a farmer would get a handful of grain and throw it up into the air to a certain direction and the wind would come and carry it away. That's the idea of this. That God would blow and they would be scattered. It seems that it's a a cruel and a harsh thing. But God can work all things out for the good. And God knows what he's doing in your life when you feel that there's a harsh thing happening. God can always work all things out for the good. So it means to throw a handful of grain a considerable distance or to throw it up into the air. And it means to throw it into the air that it may be separated by chaff as well. You get a handful and you throw it into the air and the weight of it comes down and the chaff is blown away in the wind. It's not real grain. It's just, it, it can be from what is known as, and this is, not a, and this is not a vulgar term, this is the real term, but bastard wheat. And it's the same, but looks the same. But that's what it's called. It's called a tear. And God throws it up that he would scatter and gather in his grain into his garner. And he would gather in all the wheat and he would know every single grain. How do we know? Amos chapter 9, please. Turn to Amos chapter 9. One little verse. I'd love to do this for weeks for you, but it's just far, far too much to do week after week. Amos chapter 9, please. And let your eye run down to verse 9. For lo, I will command, and I will sift the house of Israel among the nations, like as a corn is sifted in a sieve, Yet shall not the least grain fall upon the earth. Notice that. In other words, there are those who really know me. There are those who really are mine. And not one grain will fall to the earth. By the way, Amos was from the southern kingdom of Judah. He was a sheep farmer, a goat herder, And he was a poor man. And God came upon him and sent him up to the northern kingdom. Send them to the northern kingdom to preach against the godlessness of the kings in Samaria, their capital city, to preach against the ten tribes in the north. And old Amos, uh, you can imagine them saying, Lord, these people will kill me. Can you imagine them coming up to say, you're, you're sinners and God's going to cast you away? And they wouldn't listen. And he's speaking to the house of Israel the northern kingdom. And they wouldn't listen. They stared in their sin. They wouldn't receive the word of God and of course, we read of, of kings like um, uh, uh, Sennacherib and all different ones who came in and took them away. And they were dispersed like corn through the nations. Something else I want to look at in the days of Daniel when Judah was taken away. Just one little verse. Daniel, please. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 7. Daniel is praying, Daniel is in Babylon, Daniel is seeking the face of God. Daniel is reading the book of Jeremiah and other other books of the word that went before him. Now listen to this Daniel chapter nine and verse seven. Look at who he's praying for. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces as it is this day. To the men of Judah, that is the southern kingdom, okay, and to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, they have been carried away captive, they're now in Babylon. Unto all Israel, notice that are near and that are far off through all the countries, whither thou hast driven them, because their trespasses, their trespass that they have trespassed against thee. Daniel's praying for those who went years before him, maybe 200 years before him, and Daniel's praying for them. They're always scattered through those countries. Through that land. The word countries is the word Eretz. It's where you would get Eretz Israel. Or it's the land of Israel. It's it's the means, the lands. There were no real big countries as we know them today. Like there were then. He says you've cast them over all these lands. Daniel says I pray for them. For they were scattered even when Daniel was in Babylon. Marvelous in the word of God. So here we have uh, Peter and James and uh, talking about the dispersed and John 11 uh, Caiaphas himself talks about those whom God had cast into the air like a grain of wheat and were taken away do you know whenever you read uh, about the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15 we, I think we all know the story of it that the prodigal son and there's an elder brother and he comes. To the prodigal comes to the father uh, well that's the name he's known as prodigal and he comes to the father and he says, "Give me my goods up before me," and he wants his inheritance. And he goes into a far country, and he spends his his inheritance on riotous living. He lives it up. He has the party lifestyle. He comes away from his father's house, and as far as his father is, it's as though he's dead. Yet he's living. It's as though he's dead, yet he's living. And you and I hear in pulpits all across the land that that is the backslider and the elder brother is the grumpy one who stayed in church the whole time and so on. Listen, I'm saying nothing against a gospel message to a backslider to win them back to Christ. I agree with that. But the main thrust of that parable is not about that. It is about the the younger brother is the house of Israel. It's the house of Israel who took their inheritance and squandered it. And brought in idols and worshipped them. Jeroboam set an idol in Dan and one in Bethel. And he says, these be thy gods, O Israel. To stop them going down to Jerusalem to worship there. And all of the sin that they did. And God carried them away. It's the idea that that this young man is the house of Israel going into a far country. And when he's in the far country, he squanders it. In other words, as you become heathen, they become unknown, they have name changes, they become into, they go into regions of Saxony as today, and up into Denmark or Danesmark as it's known, and across into Scandinavia and into Great Britain, and, and they're they're forming the nations there. And they're lost. They're a son and they're lost. They're in their sin. In fact, they're worse. They're worse than the heathen. They're worse. Brothers and sisters, that's you and I. That's our nation, that's our land. And we are worse than those who we thought were heathen at one time. There are people from other nations that were evangelized by our nation Who now say they're coming here to evangelize us? This great and glorious gospel in Christ was sent forth by the apostles, saving grace and keeping power. People heard it and called upon the name of the Lord to be saved. You see... When the prodigal son, he represents the house of Judah. He's unhappy. He said, "Hold on, we, 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 now hold on a minute, Father. We held the scriptures. We worked in your form. We have kept identity. That's what they say." Father says, "My son is dead and is alive, and through the power of the gospel and through the power of the grace of God in our lives." We have turned to the living God in Christ. And we were dead in our trespasses. We were dead in our sins. And we were in the blackness of darkness. We were lost to ourselves, but we were never lost to God. For he knew us from before the foundation of the world. And he sent his son to die for us. To redeem us again. Is this not a great gospel message? Is this not a great gospel message? We were disorientated. We couldn't tell up or down or left or right or backwards or forwards. We could tell nothing. Till the light came on. His marvelous light. He shined in our darkness. Praise his holy name. He shined in my life. And he shined in yours. And he shined in our darkness. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 2 tells us, why did he shine in us? In bringing many sons to glory. You're a son and he's bringing you to glory. You're a daughter and he's bringing you to his glory. Let me give you one more short point. We'll close that up. This will be the introduction for the good stuff. The real stuff next week. The prodigal, we're told, went into a far country. He wasted his substance with riotous living. See the word wasted here? It's the same word that that old blackguard Caiaphas used, that old Jewish priest. For the scattered abroad the same word, wasted. The prodigal son wasted his substance. It's the same word it means that he took what, what, that which was his rightful heirloom. His inheritance. And as though he threw it into the air and he give it away. You see, the northern kingdom under the name of Samaria in Bible. That was the city, but it also calls the 10 tribes and a banner name over them all as Samaria. And there's prophecies, oh, Samaria. Sometimes it speaks to the city, sometimes it speaks to the kingdom. Or it talked about Ephraim as the, the northern kingdom as well. Or Joseph as the northern kingdom in many of the prophecies. And all speaks of them. The same groupings of people. And Joseph was the one. Now listen, Joseph was the one Who received the birthright? It's so exciting. Joseph received the birthright. And Judah received the scepter. Out of Judah would come Shiloh, the great king, the lion of Judah, the Lord Jesus Christ. But Joseph, the northern kingdom, owned the land. I have something to tell you. I'm going to rock your shoes. First of all, God owns the land. But those who received the inheritance was not Judah stroke the Jews. It was Joseph. Read the scriptures. And Joseph and the Jews are different. Jews and Jews. They're different. They have an inheritance. And now that the gospel has come of saving grace, what do we have? What do you have? You have a great inheritance in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're born of the Spirit. You're washed in the blood. You're saved for time and eternity. You're forgiven of your sin. You've obtained mercy and you've found grace. Jesus has paid your debt. This word he wasted is the same. He threw it away. So Peter, he calls them strangers. To the strangers scattered abroad, and it's the word parapetamos. The parapetamos, which have been scattered, or diaspora abroad. The parapetamos gives the idea of of, of a sojourner in a strange place. And he's writing and he's saying, To the sojourners in a strange place, to the people who have been scattered, herein is the gospel of grace. Then he writes to them and he says, Listen, he writes to them and he says, But ye are a chosen generation. Well, they got it next week. He says, You are the people to carry the Christ of God, you are the people to carry the gospel. You are the people to go forth in His name. You're the one, and who was it was proclaiming it, but Benjaminites, Peter and then Paul and the apostles and James, the light-bearing tribe, coming out of Judah. All these things are just so tremendous. Our God is so wonderful that we just let them go past, and nobody ever speaks on them. And yet, God had a great and glorious gospel a great plan to save your soul what a God what a mighty God we serve what a saviour we have he's a blessed redeemer praise his holy name that's an introduction we'll really get our teeth into it next week I hope you remember it because I don't have to do a recap and all that I'm sure you don't want me to do a recap that's the Lord praise God tell me who's ever heard that before? couple, three, three, four, yeah, a few. I knew there'd be a few. You don't hear it anymore. Do you see George Jeffries, Stephen Jeffries? See the early apostolic, Hutchison brothers, they all preached us. The people knew who they were. People knew that they were saved by grace but they were sinners and that the gospel came to the house of Israel first and then goes to all the nations of the earth and listen, Jesus says when that happens then comes the end he's coming he's coming he's a wonderful Lord I better stop there because time's flowing and I could preach on that all night, I just love it